0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: A lot of times you're not going to necessarily grow up in the environment that you need to be in in order to be successful and to have the people around you, the network that you need to be successful. You have to go out and seek those like-minded individuals.
0: You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf. I've got Johnny Lynham on the King stage today. My brother, how are you? Man, outstanding, man. Blessed, and I'm glad to be here with you today. Dude, I love and I love the phrase blessed. Before we jump in completely and you just give us all the juicy details, why are you blessed today, man? Tell me why you're blessed.
1: Man, I'm alive. I'm just here. Food to eat. The family's healthy. No complaints there. There's a lot of people out here that are way Worse situation than I am. I keep that perspective. Whenever things get tough, challenges, keep it in perspective. There's somebody else out there that has a a harder issue right now for sure than what I'm dealing with. That especially with me being active duty Air Force, there's always uh, brothers and sisters in harms way away from their family. So I'm definitely thankful.
0: We appreciate and are thankful for your service. So thank you for that, and of course for all the folks that you know. Freedom, freedom. Is not free as they say. So we're definitely appreciative of that. And it's funny too that you say just to be grateful for the small things. I think entrepreneurs like us, especially ones that have come from nothing, have that perspective so easy. But it's now it's about, for me, how do I like sift that into my children? And I'm like, in our prayer time or whether it just be talking as a family, thankful for the little things that we got to eat today or that we had a warm bed. Like some of the things that my kids are like, wait, what? You what? Yeah. So anyway, Johnny, tell us what kind of business that you're in and what brings you to the King stage
1: yeah, so today, real estate investing brings me to to the stage today. Started a business back in 2015 with my wife, just fixing and flipping houses. For me, I like to say transforming communities, but right really now. getting down that path to being able to add value through real estate. And yeah. for me, I joined the Air Force back in 2005 after graduating from college and been serving almost 17 years now, active duty. And wow. so for me, that transition was taking the skill set that I had built up over the years, serving in the Air Force, so those intangibles that my parents taught me, and then taking that into the real estate investing business.
0: Yeah, I've got so many questions for you in that and the journey of being raised that way and, of course, being in the military. But before we do that, I want to know, why are you pushing now? Because you've been in business for a minute. You're coming up on the first decade. You're clearly a king in the business. Otherwise, we wouldn't have you here. Why are you still doing this? Why are you pushing?
1: No, generational wealth, hands down generational wealth and that time freedom that comes with owning real estate or cash producing assets. And just from now with being able to build a secondary business with coaching, actually teaching real estate investing and those fundamentals of entrepreneurship and just how to run a successful business that now is just giving back and more service to my family, but then now to other people who are hungry for the information that's trying to do the same thing for their families.
0: Yeah, I what you said a few minutes ago as far as transforming communities, I've used the same similar language in in my real estate investing company which is basically tra- or taking something that that once was and restoring it or bringing restoration to city or neighborhoods. And so I love the thought there because you've even then extended that into your coaching model here which is helping restore families who are hungry, who want the opportunity, and giving folks that opportunity to be able to transform as well. So I love it. Why legacy, though? I'm going to dig in just a hair on you. Was it always like this? Was it something that developed when you had kids? Like, why legacy for you specifically?
1: Great question, man. For me, it was instilled from day one with my parents, more so my mom, that she let it be known. I came from humble beginnings, was born in Detroit, Michigan, but moved to lower Alabama, the other L.A., not Los oh, Angeles. I, but Lord. I, I know that LA. <laughs> yeah, man. I so grew up a country boy, about our of North Mobile, Alabama. And yeah. my mom let it be known that, Hey, you got to get out of here. This is not the end for you. This is only the beginning. But when they weren't well off, they were hardworking, blue collar people. They took care of us and provided for us. And she let it be known, Hey, you need to get a good grades. So that was always instilled in me. I had to be a genuine person. I had to be a person of integrity, man of my word and get out of here but for initially it was go get a good job go be an engineer you know you can provide for your family save your money and go right. and then as i got off on that journey and started going i put the rest of it together to take it to the next level and my, and my dad was an entrepreneur he had his own television appliance repair business and he told me when i was young it didn't really hit me till years later after i was serving in the air force that, hey, if you want to be rich, you want to be wealthy, you got to create your own business because you won't achieve that by working for someone else.
0: Yeah. Love what you've generalized, obviously, which is what Gathering the Kings is about. It's not just about real estate specifically, although I love real estate and the asset that's producing something doesn't have to just be a physical building. It can be a business. It can be a business system. And so your dad is 100% right. The problem is that a lot of times people don't get it to be a system. They just have a glorified job. And hopefully we can get into some of that along the journey as well. But so you were raised in a pretty tight home, but given you a lot of opportunity to be able to kind of kick you out and tell you to go do the good things. And then the military, tell us about how like your upbringing slash the military played into you being a successful entrepreneur.
1: No, most definitely. Grew up a PK pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor for well over 20 years. So growing up in the church and just all those values that were instilled into me and uh, was pretty smart. And had a four-year Army ROTC scholarship out of high school. Okay. And uh, went to interview with them. My dad told me he was a Vietnam vet on the Army side. I was like, hey, you need to go talk to the Air Force while you're there. So (laughs) had that conversation
0: with them. Was that because he was like, don't do what I did,
1: son? (laughs) That quality of life. And he was 100% right. And I talked to him. They told me, hey, if you come in freshman year, that with your major, we can almost guarantee we'll have you on scholarship your, your second semester your freshman year. And I took them up on their word. And the, as I say, the rest is history yeah. and graduated and commissioned as an officer in the air force. And uh, it's been a blessed, a blessed journey so far. He's coming up on 17 years now, man, it's going by fast. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's incredible. So how do you think those things, those years of not only just being in the home specifically preacher's kid, mom, that's telling you, Hey, you gotta get good. Like that's pretty, pretty straight and narrow. And then the straight and narrow of serving our country in the military how did that play into what you're doing now? Give me the give me the backstory there. Yeah. So I think it really came into discipline. I
1: bought my first house a year after coming on active duty. And okay. for me, full circle with it, I had screwed up my credit coming out of college. I didn't know a lot about financial literacy, didn't know about stocks, didn't know about real estate. And so it was humbling having to have a family member sign on my lease for my first apartment. Here I am starting my career. And so after that, the next 10 months worked on my credit, getting my credit repaired, doing those things. And I had a buddy present an offer to me where he saw this duplex come on the market. He's like, hey, you need to get a side. I get a side. It's going to be well less than what we're paying in rent. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And the more I I looked into it, I'm like, yeah, this is a good deal. And I actually got money back at closing and used my VA loan. And from there, I was hooked on real estate. And from there, just as I was moving around, buying foreclosures to live in, when we changed duty stations and things like that. And then it just took off once 2015 came around. I was like, okay, now that I've been in the military, I do project management. I managed complex software development projects for the Air Force. Okay, how would I take this skill set and bring it to real estate? And so it it naturally went to that side of it with me now managing teams, putting systems in place from day one because I've been working my day job. And so I had to build a team around me in order to execute on my behalf and being able to be an astute manager and go through the process, learn, ask questions, but still be a leader in order to see the project through.
0: What do you think that you attribute cuz what you just said there you you had to because you were still in the air force you were still doing your thing you literally couldn't go do the thing but you had to build a team or a system around you to do the thing and i just so many people listening right now probably even are trying to do that but they're in the business it's tough to remove yourself it's tough to give things away it's tough to trust other people but you had to so like give us some insight there was there Tough moments there, or was it just, just like, hey, I have to do this?
1: Of course, it was tough, tough moments. We went over budget. but We still were profitable, but I learned a lot about the, the phase of construction, how to phase in the work, the cost of materials, the different trades, the expertise, and being able right. to have different subcontractors. And so it was a lot learned over time. When you learn something new, every project, every house is going to be different. And you just take those bits of wisdom and take it to the next project, network and learn from other people's mistakes, and you go through and do the business. But I mean, it was no different than other people where I was too, I was still, even though I was virtually, after our first deal, we started flipping 14 hours away in Alabama. We're living in Virginia, but it was wow. still the same process with going through, managing the team, and going through. But it still took me some years before I hired full time people to help me through that process outside of just the contractors doing all the work.
0: exactly. That's incredible that you had to have that experience. And I would probably say that helped you scale quicker than you thought you maybe you needed to, especially when you stepped away, probably put gas on the fire. But I want to know along the way, a good decision that you made, and maybe it can be around this scaling a team that we've talked about, but maybe it could be something else. Just something that you've done that just catapulted the rest. Maybe it's the reason why you don't even, you're doing this full-time now.
1: That's a good question. Cause I really think for the, what catapulted our business was something that was devastating at the same time. And uh, it was almost a Phoenix rising from the ashes where we took a setback and turned into a setup for everything that we were doing. Because after we did the first house, we were just one kind of onesie twosie. I'm still working full time. So this is, there's no reason. It's a marathon. There's no reason to just sprint. And so we just right. did one house at a time. And upon us being stationed, we moved to Panama city, Florida in June of 2017. And soon thereafter, I got hit with orders to deploy in spring of 18. So I did some wholesaling wow. because I wasn't able to put a team together. And right. while I'm deployed, I'm building a business. I hired my first virtual assistant. I'm going through and building out the structure. And then after I got back home in September, four weeks later, Category 5 Hurricane hit Panama City directly. I remember and uh, we were displaced for six months. You know, So I had all these aspirations. I was ready to hit the ground. I already had started sending marketing out. And everything wow. and then to get hit by the storm to be displaced my wife was pregnant all during the deployment and the wow. s- my son was born and over in mobile five days after the hurricane hit we didn't even know if we still had a house yet and yeah. just going through that adversity but i started looking at it it's like overnight we had thousands of dilapidated houses all over our area just like that and so many people in need and ever since that that came up we uh, we got our crew we, we hit three years together with them this past spring. And it's just been a blessing to now doing nine, 10 deals a year and scaling up by multifamily. And just, it's been a blessed journey ever since, man. And just being able to help people. And at the same time, build up the business and build wealth.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, such an incredible story, especially with a son being born in another city five days later. I'm sure that was a stressful time for your wife. I want to know like in that moment. So like, Maybe not the day that your son was born, because I'm sure you're pretty focused on on him and your wife, of course. But that general time frame, you're anxious, you're worried, you're watching the screen, you're like wondering about your house as you're not sleeping. Give us that piece. Or was it like, oh, this is going to be incredible. Sad to know all this is going to happen, but I'm jacked for the opportunity. Like, when did you know?
1: Oh, no, I didn't know the opportunity
0: then. It took a while for me to see. I
1: had started pivoting to look at Mobile to start doing uh, some things. Got a couple of deals doing that. But for me, it was definitely, it took the wind out of my sails because at the same time, I was a direct operations for my unit there. And so I had a lot of people to work and help process. I had people that lost everything during the storm. We had to, re- we had to build up our mission back simultaneously. So I didn't really have a lot of time to focus on real estate initially. We didn't do any deals until when we got back home March of 19, hopping around with a newborn and two other kids from Airbnb to Airbnb every two weeks, moving around until I house was right. ready, was stressful itself. And then doing the mission, just just long days, an hour in, an hour out commute and right. just working. So it took me a minute to get some perspective, but I got my legs under me, just seeing everything after my house was there. I realized the house is here. It's right. got some damage, but we don't. it's not a complete tear down. We're going to be okay. And the Air Force did a solid. They took care of us and it made sure. sure everybody was good. It took a while. It took a few months before I was able to get back in real estate mode, just right. with everything that happened.
0: Yeah. So my 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 black swan question for you is what was your wife feeling about all this during this time? Like you just described you. What was she doing? Obviously, other than giving birth.
1: Yeah. No, she's always been with me. Uh, She's a trucker. She goes hard with whatever whatever we're going. She's always been supportive of my goals and the business. Back then, she definitely saw the vision after doing it for a couple of years, onesie, twosie. And once we put the team together and that's a whole nother story, How we put the team together because that was all her. We were literally out putting bandit signs and we saw a guy bringing some sheetrock to the curb. And she was like, you should go back and talk to them and get them to give us an estimate on the house we got under contract. I was like, yeah, no. She's like, we need to turn around and go talk to them. And sure enough, went back, talked to them, gave them my card. They called me a couple of weeks later. We got the estimate. We gave him the job and we've been together three years. So she's been instrumental in our success with building the business. And she's been right there day one, stay at home mom, but she's always coordinating, turning on the utilities, paying the bills at Home Depot, taking the phone calls during the day. So she's been Uh, right there.
0: I love it. The one thing I want to point out, what I've just gotten from you, for the listener particularly, because I'm in alignment with you and what you just said. I've had probably two or three large, very large, some in the negative because I didn't listen, moments <laughs> where my wife suggested something and it it would have been amazing if I listened to her or like you, I did and was like, wow. But that I just want to pull that out for the listener because- So many times as entrepreneurs, male or female, just the other person who's not in has this innate ability to see things sometimes that we don't. And then I would even just, because I'm a man and you're a guy and we've got wives, I think that there's like a women's intuition thing. And so I've learned that voice that you just described, even though it doesn't have a business case, even though it doesn't make necessarily logic sense to go, wait a second, let me go back and give them my card. Because what the whisper that was working through her was something that probably would have been missed. And and the blessing that came through that whisper would have been missed as well.
1: Yep. hundred percent.
0: Okay. So let's flip the coin. Bad choice. Tell us the juicy details of something that you've done that we can all run in the opposite direction and never have to worry about doing because you've shared it with us.
1: i want to say it, it was a bad choice at the time. Going back with another contractor, ver- working virtually whole another level house from a $150,000 house to a $400,000 house, different project, different finishes. And yeah. we went with the contractor that had done a good job on a cheaper house that we had. And lo and behold, he wasn't able to perform. And mm-hmm. we ended up having to fire a mid project for with me being having to go out of town, take leave and go down to Birmingham, drive 10 plus hours to get down there working with my realtor and hire a new contractor, mid job, and do that. And hindsight I learned from is, okay, contractors that can excel at a $100,000 house, $150,000 house. It's a whole nother level of finishing and expectations when you're talking about a $400,000 house and the level of right. attention to detail and material. So that was yeah. definitely an um, opportunity to learn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The moment there. And so I, uh, the lesson I just want to pull out for the listener, whether you're in real estate or not, is a person that's sitting in the seat might be skilled at certain things and as their position changes or as the expectations of that position change that person may or may not be the fit for you any longer and i've had this happen even in business where someone's sitting in a seat and they're doing a role and then i give them something else or it's not even intentional of me giving something else but because we've maybe been a little disorganized or maybe not knowing what the expectations were it was basically what you just said. We we. We had a higher expectation without really knowing it with the $400,000 house and putting that expectation on this person, not knowing it also, and then what pops out the end of that equation is... This doesn't work. And I think that uh, I think the listener can pull that away for sure, because there's probably somebody on your team for the guy or guy listening right now, who is doing something or is being expected to do something that they're just not very good at. And it's just going to cause frustration. And they're probably not very happy about it either. That contractor was probably swimming in his shorts every day when you're calling him going, Hey bro, done. He's, He's probably having to half lie to you just because he doesn't really know. Yeah. It's not a good scenario
1: for either person. It's definitely not. I've definitely taken that one across the board in my real estate and entrepreneurial
0: career with just knowing that with everybody isn't able to execute at every level. Yeah. And so does that mean you get rid of the people who don't or do you just find a different role for them? I think it depends. It depends on, on the relationship and uh, the nature
1: of the business. And if they, if, at the end of the day, they got to still be adding value right. wherever they are. If they're able to bloom in another place where you can plant them, then so be it for sure. But if not, if it's not working, then you got to make that tough decision. And I think that's the, I think the saying is to hire slow and fire fast. And it's a tough decision to make But if you're in it for business and then you got to take care of business.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. Okay. Do you have any sort of a process now, Johnny, that you follow to try to like really press into making the good decisions rather than the not so good ones? (laughs) Yeah, for me, I came
1: up with a framework when it comes to real estate investing and the projects, just my find, fix, finish framework, where with how we go through an approach with finding the deals, finishing it with going in and we actually go in fix with the renovation of that piece of it, and then finish just with our disposition. Whether we're going to incorporate it into our portfolio or we're going to sell it retail, then just go through that whole cycle of find, fix, finish. And that's worked really well for us over the years.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that knowing what you want to do over here when you get started helps that. And in essence, that's what you just described. You know what you want to do through the project. You even mentioned having different expectations of a different price point. And there might be different projects that the listeners listening. They got different types of clients, or maybe they've got even customers in different industries i'm just thinking of the trades or marketing or whatever it is and you've got some different levels of projects or clients and so you might have you know different expectations on the front end and so that that's what i'm pulling away anything you want to add there from a process
1: most definitely i think it comes down for all of us as business owners managing risk and like for me on the real estate side it was the learning lesson out of that was like okay Our niche is the lower end of the market, uh, the capital to get into deals, the capital for the interest payments is all cheaper on that end. There's more potential borrowers and looking at the risk and long-term that we're not overexposed. If a change in the market happens, it's going to happen at the higher price points in those type of homes and that we can see it coming. And whereas Mm -hmm. that we still have an extra strategy, whereas that now if there aren't a lot of buyers, then we can also refinance and keep the property and the still cash flow from that perspective. So it help us get clarity on our risk and cash flow. And from right. those perspectives to narrow in on, hey, where's our priority should be? Well, and I think it's with any product, with, okay, what product is paying the bills? If you got six products, maybe you should just focus on three. What are the right. most profitables? If you got three products that make up 75, 80% of your revenue, then maybe you should drop those other three that aren't really converting. because yeah. your customer is going to tell you what's important to them.
0: That's right. That's right. I love that. Okay. Are you ready for the speed round? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. First question is this. In your business, if you had to dwindle it down to just the one and only metric, what would it be? How many offers we make? Okay. Fill in the pipeline is what I hear. Yes. Make
1: offers, not excuses.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. We translate this in other businesses to lead generation or prospecting or deals in the pipeline. Like we call it whatever you want, but if you have nothing coming down the pipe, you have no business, is what I'm hearing you say. 100%. That's it. Now, for you, I would love to dig into this a little bit more. Is that so? If that's the one metric, is that like where the majority of your attention is spent? In the-
1: right now, it's not because of just where we've done really good with realtors bringing us deal with the networking mm. side and with the sales agents, whereas that we're having a lot of deals brought to us versus us having to generate leads sure. from other marketing sources. So you're still making
0: the offers, but they're just coming to you a little different. Right. Yep, got it. Okay, very good. And that can be that can be used I mean, in any industry. I love you. Got to have you. Just got to have deal flow. <laughs> yep. I love you. Have no money. Okay, what book would you recommend that a six figure business owner read to try to scale to where you are?
1: Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. I think that's the biggest thing is the marketing. The marketing is the lifeblood of any business, and just understanding that stories resonate. Understanding what your story is, I think, really just depending on the nature of your business. Understanding that you may be in a position where you are the brand and that you need to step into that role and understand where you are in the business and the marketing and what all goes with it and how to translate your story and the story behind your product and the story that comes with the product that your customers have by using your product and being able to take that and then fold that into your marketing.
0: 100%. Yeah, you're right. And I think that the underlying bullet point of what you just said is that it doesn't matter. Like, I think a lot of people hear, oh yeah, I have a story, but what does that really look like? I was talking to some guys yesterday in a group setting and I, I just said, what happened today? Like literally what happened today? And he was like, well, we, you know, we, da I go, great. That's, that, that's all I'm talking about right there. That's the story. And it, it's so simple that it's like, whew, people miss it. Myself included. I think that, uh, I think that every entrepreneur is like head down, let's go. What does the story really matter? I know that it matters, but what does it really matter? Let's just get work done. And so I think that's the difficulty piece and the mindset for most, at least it is for me. Did you experience that same thing a little bit, especially being military, you know, on it?
1: Yep. Checklists and everything's need to be straight and narrow, but people are emotional. People make decisions based off emotions. And yeah. the more you can tell story and get good at it, you're going to do fine in your business.
0: Yep. I love that. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs?
1: Yes. 1000%. Okay. And why? It hadn't always been that way, but... Okay. What changed?
0: Why did you start?
1: I saw the benefit of it. Just being able to be around like-minded people. And I think it's Grant Cardone that says that you know everything that you want, a stranger has it. And that's true. We grow up, they say, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. But... Every, it's, you, a lot of times you're not going to necessarily grow up in the environment that you need to be in in order to be successful and to have the people around you, the network that you need to be successful. You have to go out and seek those like-minded individuals. And yeah. that, it's been a game changer with me, just being able to be in the right rooms and uh, to be able to call up the right people when you're running into challenges in your business to get yeah. over the hump.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, question for you. That's a little bit of an oddball. If you only had one hour, each week to run your business. What would you do in that one hour to successfully run it like you do now?
1: Have my staff mean leverage. Have my staff mean give them the directions and let them go be great. And that's why that's we right. have to hire great people.
0: That's right. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Okay. Last question for you, Johnny, what would you do if you lost it all?
1: Build it back. I think I'm bullish on real estate. I would go back to networking Start raising the capital if I got to step into another job, but just start back from square one, one property, one month. I would start with multifamily now, knowing what I know, then mm-hmm. just syndicate, find the deals, network, and raise the capital
0: and start building. Be good to go. I love it. I love your perspective. I love your hustle. For the listener who hasn't been able to see Johnny on the other end, he's got a sign behind him that says grind and then a picture of Kobe Bryant, the Mamba himself. And so I just, I feel both of those coming through the screen as we've been talking, just this, just this, you know, I, I can see why you bet on you, man. You're straight as they come. And I can see why your wife gave you the, uh, the, the nod that she did as well. So thank you. You've built a history, man. I would love for the listener to connect with you. How can they find you? I know you've got some coaching programs. I know you're really, you're trying to help people in real estate or just probably in general, you got a big heart. Like how can they find you?
1: Yeah, most definitely. They can find me on LinkedIn, Johnny Lynham, Facebook as well, too. My book is out there on Amazon, Millionaire Real Estate Success Strategy, What they forgot to teach you in school. That's there. And I'm actually one of the things with that I want to do is, oh, yeah, YouTube. YouTube is a big one that I'm trying to share more real estate yeah. investing with Johnny Lynham. But for your listeners, I want to give them actually a free download, the PDF version of my book that they can download at socialproofwealth.com slash free
0: and they can get a copy of the book there. I love it, man. So whether you're in real estate or not, having cash flowing assets is a king move, as I like to call it inside of our group. It doesn't matter if it's something that's in your portfolio yet or not, it needs to be. So grab Johnny's free download. We'll put the link below, but dude, everything that you've shared is just spot on, not just for real estate, but for business, man. And you've given us life perspective along with it. So thank you for that. If there's anything that we can do, of course, let us know. But man, you dropped so much value here today. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem at all, man. And then if there is anybody that's interested in real estate on the coaching side that we help professionals work through with self-directed IRAs and get started with, we're building passive income. So that's something we offer as well too.
0: I love it. I love it. The right people heard what you said, that's for sure. And they'll be in your LinkedIn or Facebook DM here before the end of the show. That's right. John, thanks for being here, man. We appreciate you. Cool. Thanks a lot, brother. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1000 Kings. Talk soon.